Hello, welcome to Talking Fit. I am Paul Rose. I'm joined as ever by Luke Morgan and today we are with Ryan Spencer from Apex Sports. Uh, Ryan, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank uh, you for having me. Two or three minutes. Just tell us a little bit about yourself and, uh, and your business. Um, well, I've been working at Apex Sports for nine years, but the shop's been going 30 years, which I think is quite something for an independent running shop. Um, the store owner, Mike, it's just mainly the two of us that work there. And we, we just um, offer some, um, gait analysis and um, personalized services with regards to running shoes in, a, in an informal way. And um, say so he's had the business for 30 years now. We've celebrated in December, which is, which is a, quite a feat um, for, for selling running shoes, especially now with the Internet and things like that. But we feel we've been doing something right all this time and, um, and, and just offering good old fashioned service, really. We, we do gait analysis and chat to people about their, what they intend to do and plan to do and any issues they've been having. And then um, the, the, main then, the main thing for the people is to, uh, is for the customers is to bring out a shoe that they feel comfortable in. So we bring out a range of shoes and they try them on and it's about what they feel comfortable in, not what they've read is the best shoe and, and off they go. So it's, um, nice. so it's just a good, a good old fashioned shoe shop, <laughs> running yeah. shoe shop. Yeah, that's exactly how I'd describe you guys as well. Obviously you've, you've seen me in there before. The service which you just mentioned, one of the things I remember most recently when visiting your store, and I probably hadn't been there in about nine months, is as soon as I walked through the door, I went, um, hi, Luke, is it? You So I imagine if you remember every single person's name the way you do, there's no surprise you've been going for such a long time. Not always everyone's name, but um we, we often often joke with Mike, who's obviously been doing it longer than I have, and he, he says when people walk in, he'll remember that they're a size nine and a half support you or whatever he won't reckon remember their name if he knew it in the first place or whatever but he, he very often remembers what shoe they've had in the past and yeah people come in after a couple of years and he, he'll remember and i'm quite good at it too i like to think and then sometimes you remember little things about people and you say oh you did that race in copenhagen did you a couple of years ago and oh yes and we find that helps as well for returning customers because obviously we're up against the internet and things like that so we mm. we find if we can just offer good service that helps a lot in terms of gait analysis, I'll be honest, I'm always a little bit skeptical with gait analysis yeah. because I've, I've often found people will kind of look at you, take a couple of steps, look, oh yeah, you overpronate. And everyone always seems to be told they overpronate. And I always <laughs> kind of think, well, can everyone really be overpronating? So just kind of talk us through the sort of steps that you go through when you do a, a gait analysis. Yeah, so we seem to be programmed when people walk in, we zoom in on their feet when they walk in as a natural reaction almost, just to get a, an, a view of their feet and then a, a quick glance at them as they walk in and so on. Quite often they're wearing old trainers, which doesn't help and that can enforce the issue of the overpronation. But um, yeah, we... I often chat to them about what their history and, and um, if they've been running and what's, what injuries they've had, what shoes they've been wearing, just to get an overview and then get to take their shoes off. And our bread and butter, if you like, is um, someone comes in and they've been getting shin pain, knee pain, they've been wearing some rubbish old um, trainers and then their feet do prodigiously roll in. And then we think, okay, yeah, you need some support shoes. But um, it sometimes happens, you're right, that people come in who's, on the face of it, it looks like they overpronate. So we, we uh, you think, oh, we, they probably need support shoes. But in just getting into discussion with them, they, they say, you know, I've tried support shoes. I've been told before, I've been to other places, you overpronate, you overpronate, I've been on the treadmill. Every, over, every support shoe I've tried for overpronation ha hasn't helped. If anything, I've had more issues. 
And so there seem to be some cases that buck the trend that um, they might have flat feet, but they maybe their body's adapted to the flat footedness and they any support that is put under their feet is just causes more issues or um, works against their, their natural sort of body uh, design. So they, um, so in some cases that's not necessarily the case. And I've, I've been speaking to people from other running shops and some say, Oh, I don't sell as many support shoes as I, I used to. And we find in that as well, there seems to be a sl little bit of a trend, um, a, a balancing act, if you like, almost of, and there's almost as many neutral shoes as support shoes in some way. And um, we find this, I remember, um, I've been working in the industry now 15 odd years, and it was almost always the case of oh, support shoes, support shoes, whereas it does seem a little bit less than that. I think some people are working on maybe running styles and running light on their feet so they need less support or are trying to th are thinking about strength foot strengthening exercises so they need less um, support and so on so yeah. I, I agree i think there's a small movement away from all support yeah i mean i was gonna say it's kind of foot strengthening and things that's something i'm uh, i'm keen on i would say 80 to 90 percent of the running i do i will do in uh, vivo barefoot shoes um, brilliant so yes. i'll be completely minimalist yeah, yes i ran in five fingers this morning yeah. yes yeah, and I mean, when I was a teenager, I did a lot of track running and I did get sprints and stuff like that. And I, I imagine actually a lot of that, looking back, was probably because I was still growing and in the yeah, okay. and stuff like that. But now, as I say, I'll do the vast majority of running in, in barefoot shoes. Brilliant. Um, it's only really if I'm putting in really big miles in a week and I don't, yes. don't have the recovery time for, for the feet to recover and then yeah, things get a bit achy then i'll add a little bit of cushioning in but even then we're, we're talking like go for an innovate or something it's just got a, yeah. a, like a, a four or five mil sole on it um yes something like that um yes so where do you kind of stand on that kind of obviously it's very trendy now barefoot yes. running. there's a lot of people i see doing it and i think luke would agree with me on this who kind of go oh wow i've heard this this magic cure and you'll never be injured if you have it and they, they jump into it and then they get a load of yes injuries yes. um yes. i mean what are your kind of thoughts on, on yeah, that we, side of things we, we think they certainly have their place and um we've met not many but some people who've gone down that route and um and when speaking to them they've gone down the route properly and done all the strengthening exercises and built it up very slowly because um, having them in stock in, in, the, in the shop, people come in and, and we'd get some people in pointing to them saying, no, they're terrible. They only cause injuries. And, um, and physios say, were rubbing their hands saying, this is great because we're going to have loads of people coming to us with calf injuries and tears and all sorts. And then we'd speak to some people who are interested in the idea and maybe have dabbled in it. And if they've been injured, then you get to the bottom of it and they just did too much too soon. Yeah. So whenever someone comes and say, oh, I heard, I heard these are supposed to be the best thing and the new thing or whatever at the time. It's slightly less so now. It's gone a little bit out of fashion, it seems. Yeah. When that book came out, Born to Run, that really glorified them and, and what have you. So we got a lot of inquiries then, but you sit them down and you say, right, if you're going to do this, you need to do it properly because you will get injured and you need to do 500 meters or whatever to start or less than a kilometer. But you speak to some people who, well, I normally run 10 miles, so I'll only just do, I'll just do five miles in them to start with. No, 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 no. <laughs> but what we found is it, it, um, it sort of influenced some of the, um, the minimal shoes because there didn't seem to be as many minimal shoes, whereas that lower drop or zero drop in their case influenced a lot of the mainstream brands who introduced four mil shoes or shoes that don't 
don't encourage heel striking and so on. So it definitely had an influence, I think, in, in mainstream shoes, which is no bad thing. No, that halfway no. house almost of a lower profile, but still cushioned. Yeah, you see that in, I think, New Balance do a lot of shoes like that. Uh, yeah. Obviously, we've mentioned Innovate. Um, Saucony and Brooks have their ones. And yeah, yeah. Interestingly, and both Saucony and Brooks had a zero drop shoe as well with cushioning that they then discontinued from their range, which they, I think they weren't selling as many or whatever the case. But there's other brands that do zero drop Ultra. And, but now it almost seems to be going the other way. Yes, maximal. Uh, you see the, the carbon plates coming in and, and the maximal plates. stuff like the, yes. the hocker. Absolutely. Stuff. You think, um, where is this hocker, going? I look at, particularly, I mean, most of the running I do is on trails. And mm. I look at some of the hocker shoes and I think that's surely just asking for a broken ankle. Um, yeah. You know, but trip over that, you've just got a big wedge on the bottom of your what? foot to yes. pull it. You're almost uh, running on stilts, aren't you? Yes, exactly. I mean, they they do scare me, to be honest. I wouldn't, I wouldn't wear something. Yes, we, we, we took, the, took the decision to not stock them, but we know, of, you know many quite a number of shops do stock them. And um, our decision of not stocking them was we um, did our own little um, investigation and um, it's marketing, if you, if you like, um, just to find out what, what the word was out there. And what we found, our own personal opinion was that of the people we spoke to about over half um, said, I bought a pair, but I wouldn't buy another pair. It just seemed too slightly odd and so on. But they, they, yeah, I do some ultra running and they're very popular in the ultra running world because people find all that cushioning and so on. But we did, um, again, not many, but I spoke to one or two people, a couple of people who did experience a um, broke, not quite a broken ankle, but serious ankle injury from running off on uneven terrain with the high shoe and then turn from a higher height. Um, Mike got, has given a pe couple of pairs to try because they wanted us to stock them, but he, for him he found them slightly odd. But that doesn't mean that's, that's what everyone thinks, but we just took the, um, the, the business decision to not stock them um, for that reason. But um, we find that they're they now going slightly more conventional. I think that they make, brought out a spike or something. Which... Yeah, and they, they also brought out the, that downhill shoe. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was a foot long plate on the back. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, I, I remember looking at them and thinking, well, presumably the thing out the back is designed to push you onto your forefoot. Yes. You know, but and, uh, I don't know how you run anywhere other than downhill in them. Surely they're completely useless unless you kind of run that is 100% downhill. Yes, um, get a cable car up a mountain again or <laughs> run down. Yeah. You know, just go down a mountain, a downhill mountain bike course or something over and over again. Yeah, um, so there's, and like you said, Hocken, there's other brands as well that have their own sort of different take on things. And it's so hard to say, well, this is right for everyone. That's one of our approaches. You know, when people come in, they say, you yeah, know, it used to be, well, kind of to some extent, oh, Asics, they obviously the best brand because they were the most well-known. Yeah. And I say, mm, not necessarily. Oh, because all my friends wear Asics. Well, okay, but it doesn't mean it's right for you. So try an ASICS by all means, but it sometimes happens, oh, no, they're a bit narrow, or they this or that for my foot shape. So it's, it's what's right for your foot shape, ultimately. You know, yeah, many people I, come in. I've, I've personally never owned any ASICS. Yeah. I think that it was a couple of weeks ago, I was doing a session with some clients, and they were all talking about their ASICS and all talking about how they develop holes on the outside. Oh, the their, 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 yeah. their, their little tones. Oh, it's just an ASICS thing. And I'm thinking, well, surely that means your shoe doesn't fit. Absolutely. Could well be. I mean, ASICs, as I said, they've got a fantastic reputation, particularly in the, the kind of structured and support shoe. Nike are the one that anyone who's just goes out to buy something to start running in. Yes, goes absolutely. For, because they've got the biggest marketing budget. Mm, absolutely. Um, and, and 
Nike and Adidas, well, all of them, all the big names now really seem to be really pushing these high performance race shoes. Yes. Um, it's less, it's, it's, it seems like it's almost coming full circle now, whereas yes. 50 years ago, the only people that owned running shoes were, were club runners. And then yes, the, the kind of jogging craze came in and everyone started having different types of shoes. And you got all these different, you know, structured ones and neutral ones and yes. racers and then all the minimalist and the five fingers and everything came in. And now everyone seems to be wanting these carbon plates and these high performance racing shoes that you can get maybe a hundred miles in before. They yes, absolutely. Yes. And the, the price they charge for them is yeah. you bang for your buckers not much <laughs> no. um, i think the culture's gone back to i want a pb i want speed yes. if this person can wear it i can wear it yes. it's like back and, in the, back in the basketball days of uh, michael jordan it was be like mike he wears jordan so go and wear jordans and you'll be a brilliant yeah. basketball player well, i think it's, that's how they've applied it in running as well isn't it absolutely people think the more money they pay for the item then the more chance to get the pb and i think with that thing um it's i believe it's you know the, the running style if you have the correct running style and you're landing midfoot and you get that propulsion plate going yeah. for your action it'd be great but if you in relative terms plodding then i, I don't think it'll quite give the benefit that they marketed it <laughs> yeah yeah so i i um i was helping out or working whatever you want to call it uh Dealing with the sports massage side of things at uh, Watford Half Marathon earlier on in the year. Oh, yeah. A guy who won came in for, for a sports massage with our team. And um, I got asking him, I looked at his shoes and said, nice, cool, they're pretty pretty snazzy. Have you found an increase in performance? And he said, well, actually, today I've beaten my PB by 40 seconds. Um, yes. And I think he finished at 106 or something like that. So he's a wow. pretty, pretty quick runner. Yes. And he was really impressed. He was like, yeah, I love him. Like, oh, I don't know why I haven't been wearing him for longer. <laughs> um, yes, I've heard a couple of stories like that. But mm -hmm. I think they're the guys who are doing six-minute miling or whatever or even quicker. That's it. Right? Yeah. So if you're a, a 106 half marathon runner, you probably, you're not going to be plodding along as you say no. <laughs> yeah heel strike and a, a almost rolling into the next stride it's going to be very light on your feet yes absolutely um if you're just getting you know you're, you're doing your first couch to 5k going and spending 250 pound on a pair of running shoes because they've got a carbon plate in is, seems unlikely uh, yes to do anything for you whatsoever i remember I when the new sorry no sorry you go on right i remember when the newtons came out they prom promoted the forefoot running they had a sort of a couple of pads at the front under the ball of the foot to encourage you to land there but if you're a heel striker it didn't really work properly because that's wedge at the front and a guy i spoke to was um say he wasn't the fastest runner but um he said he wanted a pair and i thought well they didn't quite suit your running style because he's very much a heel striker and he went and got a pair because they were cheap and he i think he had injuries and it just didn't work for him well i could have told you <laughs> <laughs> just um obviously people can't see your background but you've got a Huge amount of medals in the background there, Ryan. Do you want to? That's actually my wife's through? selection. Is it? <laughs> Mine are there, but I've, I've framed my bigger races. Okay. Do you want to talk us through some of your races? Yes. Yeah, so we, well, I grew up in South Africa. I've been here over 20, 22 years in, in the UK, but grew up in um, on the halfway mark of the Comrades, which was the, um, I think it's still considered the world's largest ultra marathon because it's 50 odd miles, 54 miles but has 24,000 runners or whatever the, the number is. And it's been going for nearly a hundred years. So I grew up on the halfway mark of that at the marathon point. 
and it was always great excitement when uh, it was coming on TV and, and so on. It was a big event. It was like how the London Marathon is in, in the UK. It was like that over there. And, you know, and even people across on the other side of the country, you don't know anyone running, they'll all tune in and watch it. So I, we'd, we'd go up to the halfway mark, see the, the leaders come through and some other runners and go home, watch the finish, the leaders win, and then go back to the halfway and still see <laughs> runners coming through the halfway. So I grew up thinking a marathon is only ever halfway. That was always my mindset. And I see these thousands of runners pass through thinking, well, they can do it. It's obviously, it's doable. So I always grew up thinking, well, you can run long distances in relative terms. And, okay, so and then... The interesting point, because that's something I've read a lot when they talk about, you had the rise of marathons through kind of the 80s and 90s when, when marathons first started being televised and things. People yes. going, oh my god, that's and that's impossible. I can, and the more people that do it, the more people think I can do that. Yes, and the same happens with with ultra marathons, and and you know, <clears throat> it starts off with the fifty milers and then hundred milers, and you get the multi day things, the, yes, carbs, etc. And Ironmans, you know, an Ironman five ten years ago was you have to be one of the fittest people in the world to do that. And <laughs> everyone seems to be doing them. It's, it's really yes. the way the, the human mindset seems to be changing towards. The yes, of absolutely. So yes, I, I think before I left, I did a 50, uh, sorry, a 35 mile, the two oceans in Cape town. That's also a massive event and so on. And then came over here and then just tell people, Oh, I did, did this um, 35 mile event. And knowing, because I knew thousands of others do it and so on. So it's not no great shape, really. And, oh, crikey, that's far. And, and oh, I'll tell them about the comrades. I hadn't done it at, the, at that point. And then, um, but, but do you do it in one day? Yes, yes, it's 12 hours. And then and you, you walk when you have to. You don't, you're not sprinting every step of the way. And then through the years, I'd do a couple more. And then um, I think I, 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 I wanted to do a, um, there was a 45-mile race from Tring to Town, called, called Tring to Town. Um, 15 odd years ago far it was, and that was one of the few ultra marathons there were to do and um and then uh gradually more and more started popping up and so on and i said so i do this um list for the shop of marathons and ultras which i unashamedly say are the, are the best lists of their kind because um, i look i get my some information from other lists and they don't have nowhere near as many as i found and I've, I've looked at, from a couple of years ago, there were about 500 odd marathons. Now there's almost a thousand and ultras and things. And I remember how Runner's World used to start talking about ultra marathons and so on, 10, 12, the, the magazine. And, and then, as you say, you know, people read stories and see other people are doing these and then they just start growing. And I think a lot of the, these people would do marathons and then think, okay, I've got my personal best. So I can't go any faster. What shall I do? Well, let's go further and go slower and Social media is obviously helping with promote talking about it. More and more people doing it. Yeah, it's great to see. Say, you know, again, 10, 15, 20 years ago, the only way you'd hear about those things was if you had a subscription to Runners World or you happened to be bored in a station and pick up a copy of it. Whereas now yes. it will pop up on your Facebook feed or you can just find it on a website. People will send you a link to it. And it just suddenly just learning about these events is yes. far and more accessible. Absolutely. No, you do, and you learn so much about yourself, obviously, and all that stuff, and you hear stories and so on. And I, I sort of gradually built up my. I did the the comrades eventually in two thousand and six, which is a bit of a homecoming because I used to live along the route and so on. So it still ranks as one of my best races. And people, because if you do it back to back, you get a special medal. That's a back to back medal, and it's up one year, down the next, and so on. 
and people said, are you, are you going to do, because I did the uprun, because I kind of, my evolution of living around the area was along that, that way. So I, I was determined to do the uprun. And people asking, are you going to do the down run? But I don't really want to go back and do it because it's such a, it was such a special race. I don't want to, in case the second time around, it's not something happens and it's not the same or something. <laughs> I want to cling on to that, those special memories. So I kept on doing a few races, ultras and things. And then um, I read Dean Carnese's book, Ultra Marathon Man. Um, which is a, a great sort of almost casual storytelling about running ultras and things and a, a laid back book about it, which was great to read. And this was in, I think short, shortly after I read, I'd done the comrades. And then, um, so I read the book and the, the Grand Union Canal race was um, on the horizon, the 145 mile one, which sounded a, a stupid race to do almost. But uh, having read, read his book and I'd done the, the comrades and so on, I thought, well, and then looked into the history of the race and seen, Okay, not many do it, like 45 people finish it in a, every year or have whatever the numbers are, 30-odd. And I thought, well, if these people can do it, why can't I? And reading Dean Carnese's book and then so I signed up for it the following year and eventually got, did that, uh, got through it, which was, which was very tough. But it's um, a sort I of thing you, you, you can put your, put your mind to it and you can do, as long as it's not ridiculous, like running three times around the world in a year or something stupid like that then um, you, you can achieve things. And as we, we tell that to people when they come in the shop, you know, not everyone has to go and do ultra marathons or mar marathons for that matter. Just getting out and doing a few minutes of exercise that you weren't doing is fantastic. And w w one of the things we get a lot in the shop is people coming saying, oh, I started running because some of my friends started doing couch to 5K. Uh, and I, th I thought, I'll start, I've never run. And I, I started doing it, walk, run, walk, run, and gradually built up the running bit. And I I'm loving it. And they're almost, not ashamed to say, but they, they're surprising themselves. Like, well, we're not surprised to hear that. It's, it's a great sport. It's sort of such a natural sport to do. You don't need much equipment. You'll be very, very busy in the next couple of weeks when you open up because of the amount of people who have started running in the last, yes. last couple of months, most of them have probably just gone on Amazon or something, found the cheapest pair of running shoes yes. and are, are hurting. And, okay, a lot of them will, will have gone, oh, it's not for me. But a lot of them would have been told by their friends and things, no, 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 you just go and see someone who can fit it properly and tell you. Yes. And you'll probably find you, you'll have an awful lot of new faces coming in who are very keen to... We hope so, yes. <laughs> have you noticed much of an online sale increase at all? Yes, yeah, so because we don't really compete on price against the, the big companies, we we not don't sell much online, and we we actually try and promote. We're more about the bricks and mortar shop and um, the experience yeah. of coming in and trying on shoes and what have you. But yes, there's certainly been an uptake on our website, <laughs> um, which is great. Um, so uh, yes, it's, um, so and then we yeah we've got the articles and things on our website that we try and promote, but we, we don't we don't have, we we have a low expectation of selling stuff online. But it's really taken off for us. <laughs> and we've been humbled because a lot of local um, people local to the shop in Farnham Common have felt the need to support us and so on, which has been really great. So the store owner, Mike, he lives close to the shop. So he's been going in and handling online orders and then delivering locally when people are close to the shop and so on and then sending out orders. And it just helps, like we were saying earlier, it just keeps the reputation going as well and whatever, which is, which is what we, what, how we survive, I think, just having a good reputation and word of mouth and what have you. Is, um, is all part of the package, really. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, for any small business, I say now, I don't mean kind of COVID specifically, but just now mm. as in the way things online. are going online, yeah, it's, it is that personal service that people are, are looking for and that, that kind of 
personal touch to things that's going to really yes and the other thing sorry the other thing we were interested in is um because mike before he opened the shop in 1989 he used to be an industrial chemist so um he's more uh, he he has a great interest in the whole um, nutrition and science behind the nutrition and so on and he informs me because he um he's he's quite up to speed with it all and and he's read a lot of books about the evolution of of running and and humans for that matter and and how the body adapts and so on to various things like barefoot running as well and and so on and then nutritions and so on and we've sort of come to the conclusion that there's just absolutely no right like shoes there's no right answer for everyone various diets you know we hear these top ultra runners who are vegans and they swear that the vegan diet has got them through and then other people have tried it and they all gone down the, the no carbs or whatever it is and then um in some cases it's people are trying to do too much too soon again and they their body's not used to that yet and they find they've got no energy or whatever like he's tried it he went down that and he said after a couple of weeks he was lacking in energy and he, he gave up he said maybe if he'd stuck to it he might have got, got through but then he thought do i really want to there's that balance of then the happiness and of life and so on and then having to think of um different meals and having to cook get the food right to to eat like that and so on he said he eventually couldn't be bothered <laughs> I think everything you do has got to be completely bespoke to you, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. There's all this information out there about what's right. and the, So we take it all with a pinch of salt and, and so on. Yeah. And, and, you know, some people say, well, that'd be nutrition for um, energy gels and so on. And then in some cases it's, um, oh, oh, um, I can't stomach it. I'm going to, I'm going to throw up. Think, well, then that's counterproductive. Don't have them. Try and find something um, that, that, that will work for you. And, and like training for a race or something, part of that is also the nutrition intake, what you can manage and cope with and levels of hydration. Again, that's another subject topic in itself, you know, with over drink, um, hyponutremia and hypernutremia and all these things. And we, we spoke with some nurses who um, from South Africa who um, worked with the comrades and um, around the time I was living there. So we, we had something in common. And, and she was saying that the biggest thing that she found when um on being on call for these runners from a medical aspect who collapsed was that they'd drunk too much. And the whole thinking then was stick a drip in them because they dehydrated, but that was, was normally wasn't the case. They would be maybe had too much fluid and dilutants on, but anyway, that, that's another subject. But uh, we, we have a great interest in all this and chat to people about things like that and so on. But we have a very balanced view. <laughs> we don't sort of say this is right. And, you know, they say, well, maybe dabble with things if you're in, if someone's interested in the side of things. Which yeah, is all very interesting. The nutrition conversation is one that's becoming more and more common and more and more important as people are racing longer and longer races. Yes. If you're doing a 5K or a 10K, you can kind of get away with it. Wait, yes. Winging it a bit. Once you start getting to marathons and 50 miles, 100 miles, it's got to be right. Um, you know, yes. If you, you go into a, a 100K race and you're eating stuff that makes you feel sick or you're not eating enough then you'll you won't finish the race and it's race, yes ah, whereas as, as you said if, if it's a 5k a 10k you can kind of wing it and wing it get away with it yeah <laughs> absolutely water when you go past the water station and you'll probably be fine because it's not going to be that long until you finish it yes there's so many discussions and uh, forums and things about so what what nutrition should i follow for this um for this race and they, well it's difficult to say really what's right for you <laughs> it's um so individual 
which is why people should really be training that little bit more, thinking about the nutrition side as well as the fitness. <laughs> yeah, I like to think that once you go over the hour and a half, two hour mark, that's where your knowledge of your body and the experience of doing those runs or trying those uh, trainers or nutritional strategies, that's where it comes into its own. Anything yeah. under an hour, an hour and a half, you could probably get away yes. with it. But go and be on that marker. Yes, we've read stuff that says about, you know, the body's got enough salts and stuff from our diet anyway that we don't necessarily need to take what the um what the uh, like sports nutrition companies tell us to like lucasade or whoever's you know you must drink 500 mils half an hour before or whatever the numbers are and we've read science stuff that says mm, you don't, probably don't need quite as much of that as they telling you so it's um, again it comes down very, to marketing doesn't it yes we, we, we um, closely follow Tim, Professor Tim Noakes, the South African sports scientist okay. who's been um, writing books for decades. And even he, um, he says he, he's, um, that the advice that he was offering in the 70s and 80s, because he used to run the comrades and so on, and um, he, they developed a gel in the 80s, I think. And then um, he's saying all that advice that, um, that he was giving out then, he thinks it's, it's changed and he doesn't think you need quite as much of this and that because all these companies... Um, because we eat our diet is um, probably giving us sufficient salts and things that we don't necessarily need quite as much supplements. <laughs> There's things like carb loading. You know, 20 years ago, if you were running a marathon, you were told to eat as much pasta as you could yes. put in your, in your mouth the day before. Whereas now you kind of know, actually, if you do that, then you're just going to feel a bit sick and full on the morning of the race. And it's probably not going to do you much good. Yes. And you'll just be fine looking for one of those little blue porter cabins. (laughs) And then you hear stories where people say, no, no, I've gone carb free and I'm actually running better than I ever did. And so I think, crikey, what is right? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, And then, and then a lot of the other aspect, you know, um, particularly with um, ultra running, the whole mental side of things, and, um, you know, we, I've been reading some books about the placebo effects and they're saying about they give these um, elite athletes, they get them in a, um, a laboratory and then get them to um, train at high, high intensity. And in some cases, they've given them a caffeine tablet and some they've told them they've given them a high dosage caffeine tablet. But meanwhile, it's a placebo thing. And those people who were told they were given the high um, caffeine tablet their performance was better, but in fact, it wasn't any caffeine in there. It was just a sugar tablet and so on. And it's so interesting, that whole, the mindset about going into things. And again, with nutrition, if, if you, I think if you found a, a, like a plan, if you like, that's worked for you while running and your stomach's okay during a race, you know you've got that food lined up and you know it's worked in, in, in the past, you, you should be a bit more relaxed and, and go into those events in, in that, on that side of things, feeling comfortable and so on. And that, that counts for a lot, I find. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like you said, you've got to train with your nutrition strategy as well. If you're going right, to yes. a 100k race, even if you're only doing a, a three hour training run, say only three hour training run, it's a long mm, time. For 100k practices is not that long. Mm. Um, from mile one, you want to be following the same strategy you will be from mile one in that 100k to get your body used to digesting things at that timing to get your to practice get into the habit of of actually taking your gel or your your jelly babies or your drink whatever it is you may be doing because one of the worst mistakes you can make is kind of getting 30 miles in and going oh do you know what i've forgotten to 
to do that and because it's yes. by that point. It's and then it plays on the mind and then yeah. even if it's not necessarily having an effect in your stomach, your brain tells you, we meltdown, meltdown, I haven't had that thing, this is the end. Yeah. which can affect performance. Yeah, and, and so we, you know, we spoke to some people who bought gels from us and they said, oh, these are brilliant. I, I took one in a previous race at the bottom of the hill. I took the gel and I shot up the hill. <laughs> yeah, but it probably didn't get into your digestive system or, what, or your system. Still in quickly. your tongue. But yes, but in their mind, they knew they'd swallowed this stuff that they paid £1.54 or whatever. This is going to get me up the hill. And it, <laughs> and it was probably their brain to, um, telling them they were, had this energy. Yeah. yeah, it's a strange one. Rewinding even just four years ago, I remember going to an event. I think it was, um, it might have been a Tough Mudder or something. And I'm pretty sure whilst signing on and everything, you, you were handed some stuff. Do you remember this, Paul? We, we were handed almost gels. I don't know if it was directly at the event or one of the stalls. I, I didn't take it, but you can imagine quite a few people going, oh, yeah, I'll try this. Try this. Have a little bit. And if it reacts to the stomach, cool. Yeah. And yeah, so it's... Um... No, it's, it's, it's very interesting. And reading some books, you know, where they go on about the, um, the stories where a baby's trapped under a car and then a granny or someone weak, frail lifts the car and then they free, and then, but they try and do that at another time and they can't, you know, and they keep saying how we're capable of achieving more than we think we, we have our limits in our brains that sell us, or we can't run more than 10K. Oh, I haven't run for years. How are you going to, I couldn't possibly run more than 10K. And in some cases, if people stick with it, then they eventually maybe run more than than they think they could. We hear that quite a bit, actually. It's yeah. great to hear. It's wonderful. Yeah, and you hear, particularly from the kind of if you, if you read things on people who've been in special forces and things like that, then they'll always be talking about things like that. The sixty percent rule. Once you think you're done, you're actually at sixty percent, so you can keep going. And and it's yeah. it's just training that that mindset. And the, yes. ultimately. You know, when you talk about people in special forces and things like that, and they they may they're trained for it, but anyone else is capable of it. It's just accessing that part of your brain that will, will allow you to to do it. Yes, that, that's one of the um, the things that the comrades started shortly after World War One. Um, one of the soldiers um, started it. Um, who um, he where he he's he thought well, you know, at, at that time there was sort of not necessarily properly trained soldiers almost civilians being thrust into warfare and, and being sent off to carry a however heavy um, backpack and so on and, and fight and so on. So when he came back and, and survived, he said, well, if, um, if, if ordinary man, if you like, can go and have to fight war and carry these packs, then surely an, an ordinary person in relative terms can then run this, run the, the 90K and so on. And then I, I just love that whole philosophy and what it's sort of, and that thing where it's, it's so true. You've mentioned uh, comrades quite a lot. Would you say that's your the favourite race of yours you've done? I think because I grew up on the route and so on, and and it, uh, when I did it in two thousand six, I trained pro- really properly for it, and I put everything into it. And I, I admit, in some cases, some other races I've done maybe I'm seventy percent, or in some cases, you know, being true with myself, I maybe haven't done as much as I should have done in some other cases. But then I really applied everything I had to it. And, and it, it was so gratifying on the day that it all came together, whereas in some cases you maybe you have or you think you've trained as much as you should have done for a race and things don't happen on the day or whatever, you know, things can happen on the day. Like you say, you might just pick up a, um, a gel that doesn't quite work with you or whatever the case is. Um, but yes, yeah, so for me, that, that's, it was very much a homecoming. And um, it's, it's, unfortunately, I see, it was supposed to be 
is it this this weekend nothing but they've cancelled it obviously and so on um yeah in terms of your list obviously with all these events cancelling i guess that's been keeping you pretty yes pretty busy updating all of these as well i've been trying to to be good and and have it updated which is not always easy um and so in some some races some are when, when is it sort of in july or so they're still saying no we, we're still having our or they hoping to have the event but i'm often up against um some race websites where they don't necessarily update the race website it might be on their facebook page and then so they, oh that's extra work to then go into their facebook and then search through all the posts to find out if the race is on i think well just update your website is it that difficult in some cases they're very good but quite it's quite a few that then it's still even in like two weeks or a week's time yes the the event's still going ahead on the 14th of june or whatever the case now i'm sure it's not but i've been trying to be good and, and to keep it updated and so on that's how but it's uh, it's very satisfying because a lot of people get in touch and say um oh your, your list is very good or in some cases race organizers get in touch and say can you list our race so that's great so i'm very proud of it <laughs> nice. do you find that it draws business in for you i think in some cases yes and sometimes people come in and say oh i saw your list and you know, which, again which is very satisfying but it, I'm still still blown away by the number of events that are still new ones popping up. In some cases, they're like a, an eight-hour or six-hour event where it's around a 3K loop or something. And um, in, in, their, in that case, you could do one loop of 3K and still get a medal or go for all six hours, eight hours, whatever the case is. Um, and that's quite fun. And obviously, they're easy to organize. And, and I've discuss, discussed it quite a bit with Mike where um, the, the benefit, the pros and cons of them and there's, um, you know, obviously there's the boredom factor of going round and round and you're not covering a county or something. Um, but then in some cases, in other ways, you, you're not carrying any, anything because you could leave everything at the, so you, and you shouldn't get lost. <laughs> um, and there should be support all the way around, whereas in some longer races, you, there might be stretches of no one, which actually I personally enjoy. I've, I'm, I've gone off these um, big city sort of mass events. I quite like the smaller um, events where there's fewer people and so on. I, I, that's my personal thing, but I know some people, it's London Marathon or it's nothing, and then they struggle to get into it. It's a mass event or nothing. So in these smaller events with the loops, there's usually people always around and so on, and they give out chocolates and sweets. And, <laughs> yeah. and usually a funky medal. And you normally find that there's someone that you'll be running with the whole time. Well, like, yes. They become your best friend for a few hours and then you never talk again. Yes. The, the 100 Marathon Club, that's really booming. And I think these events have helped people to, there's one every weekend or in some cases 10, and 10 um, consecutive ones over 10 days and so on. So you can climb the ladder to the 100 Marathon Club very quickly if you wanted to. A lot of them are recognised by the 100 Marathon Club. Whereas before it was, I, I've spoken to old, old guys who've, who, part of the 100 marathon club who said oh you have to travel travel half the country to get to a marathon to run that one long-standing marathons and then oh there's the shakespeare marathon or whatever it is and then come back into this marathon because there were, weren't the numbers that they are now um and now you can so, do everyone every sorry now you can do one every day on your garmin or Strava. yes that's right now the virtual runs and virtual races yeah. and things you could do on when you want where you want <laughs> like i see pros and cons you know, um debates on online about those and so on yeah it's interesting some of the points are brought up from for them i mean i think ultimately these races have been organized for for months for years they they bought all their medals and things yes they may as well 
find yeah, yes to give absolutely them rather than putting them in landfill uh, yes as seeing comments about uh, a virtual i think it's 70 or 80 miles and then the normal the the kind of real non-virtual version of it is done over one or two days and the virtual one had a month to complete the mileage in and people Brilliant. done it previously were saying well that's not fair i had to work really hard for <laughs> i kind of said well ultimately the medal says 2020 on it everyone knows 2020 is the year of virtual events and they haven't gone yes that's right done it properly so it's it's not it's like it's going to blag it it's very inclusive as well yeah which is great yeah and, and it gives um, people just you know something to aim for when aim for yes they could be at home with you know just worrying and stressing about about life at the moment yes whether they're gonna have a job in a couple of months time it just gives them something positive to, to focus on and work towards which is always a, oh, that's a good thing absolutely we either read stuff or speak to people who say running is their outlet and they um, you know have mental issues or whatever it is it's just getting out even if it's a walk or walk run or whatever just yeah. when they say they come back they just feel so much better yeah. um, it'll be really interesting when kind of gyms open up again yeah, will be. people do go back to to doing their runs or their walks on the treadmill or mm -hmm. if they they stick with outside um, yes i found coming from south africa there's such a network of footpaths over here i've got numerous os maps that I love plotting a route and then running down the footpath and then, oh, this footpath hooks up with that. So you can do a loop, come back to this point or whatever it is. There's so many routes one could find and run on. I'm always some, somewhat surprised that I don't see more people out in, on a footpath or whatever it is. And then I used to go to a gym and I was, couldn't stand seeing you know, a whole row of treadmills filled with people on a nice day. And you think, well, there's a park just not far from here. Just go and do your run there. I know it's the convenience of being in one place, but, yeah, it is. I think the treadmills certainly have a place, but I think they're also very overused. Yes. Well, maybe I, they're not overused. I, but. <laughs> I've got one here and I hardly use it at home. <laughs> it's great if it snows or something, but the board, I think it's the stop button's right there and home is right here. And the, the, the temptation to oh, hit stop. Yeah, feeling <laughs> whereas, it. Yes, whereas if you're out on a run, then I'm still going to get home, I may as well keep running. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. but I know some people love the treadmill. It's, it's safe, and if and some, yeah. of, some ladies, yeah. if they or childcare, then they have the child next to them. Yeah, I mean, if you're living right. somewhere that perhaps isn't the most desirable place to live, there's, there's a lot of crime or violence or something, and you're you're not someone who you don't feel comfortable going out running on your own. Mm. Yes, um, particularly during the winter when it's dark and things like that. Then, then absolutely, treadmills. Look at the cars around as well. Yeah. Yes. Luke, I don't know if you see any re like repetition injuries from treadmills because it's so repetitive and mm. you know, the same surface. And then I wonder if potentially in incorrect shoes and on a flat surface like that, whether that. Brings yeah, up yeah, I do. I was more recently, actually, because I started a, I opened up a new place within a gym, which is a, I hadn't done that for about three or four years. So I'm back at a gym and seeing some of the gym members there. You're exactly that. They run on the treadmill. And they do pick up, it's generally knee injuries. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But one of the first things I was taught at university was put it on a, put it on a one degree incline. Okay. At yeah. least you're going to mimic, that's mm -hmm. why I say mimics, in inverted commas, uh, outdoor yeah. running. running. With um, the wind and all that that you'd have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah put the fan on and <laughs> uh, no, no, no wind tunnels in the, in the gym. 
but uh, yeah, quite quite a lot. However, I also find it a really useful tool because mm, going back into running, I can guide them through their first sort of 5k standing next to them. I don't have to go running with them. It's quite <laughs> difficult if I've got five or six clients a day, which all of course, yes, all well, they definitely have their place. Like everything, you know, has its place, but it's not necessarily yeah. for everyone. If you wanted to analyze form and show someone what you're yes. actually talking about, it's much much easier to put them on a treadmill set a camera up, film them, and then talk them through it on the screen than it is to try and, I don't know, cycle alongside them with your <laughs> and trying to... It's just not going to work, is it, the other way? So yeah. indoors, so when... treadmills, for those sort of when... things, analytical purposes, very good. Yes. So when we reopen on Monday, um, we're going to we discuss that we may well just put the treadmill up and have it out of bounds for now because it's it's um we sort of get in and operate the, the treadmill and so on so we kind of thought for now we'll just have people run outside and so on if they want to try the shoes and so on but um as and when we can use the treadmill then we'll and leave their keys and wallet inside whilst they do yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we've been honing our uh, um sprint skills just in case <laughs> yeah touch wood it hasn't happened let all the locals know all the local shop owners yes we often joke with them tell them that well the shop's just further down that you run past are quite used to it. It's no problem. <laughs> yeah. So just before we wrap up then, if someone was has just started running and they're thinking, right, I'm gonna go online, read some reviews and get myself a pair of shoes to do this, what would you say to them to, to get them to come and see someone like yourself and well, it, 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 it may sound biased coming from my side of the counter but it's um it, you know, definitely well popping into a shop just for a chat and so on um it doesn't mean that the shoes are necessarily going to be you know, that much more expensive than than on a, on a, a lot of the time price comes into things i think and obviously the convenience online but it's you know people say oh i've seen it online for a lot cheaper and so on and it, it, what we're finding some of the brands are trying to reduce a lot of the online big slashing of prices because they want their shoes sold in shops and so on so um, we're not always convinced when people say, I saw these shoes for £20 online and so on, or whatever the numbers are. But um, you know, people, some people have told us that they don't really didn't want to come into a, a shop like ours initially because they thought we were only for elites. And we always tell them, well, if, if, we, if we only served elites, we'd, we'd have gone out of business a long time ago. And you know, we cater for people who just walk because we get some people in who quickly say that they don't run. So, no, that's fine. We sell a lot of walk shoes for walkers. walkers. We find the running shoes, even though they say running on, they good for walking because it's still heel to toe and so on and there's cushioning and they're lighter than a walking shoe and flexible. Um, so we get all, all abilities coming in and, um, and, and we're very approachable and so on. And if they, if, if price is an issue, we, we, we'll always have um, reduced shoes, um, which sometimes does limit the, the choices. We want people to have a choice at least of, of comfortable shoes, but so much of the process is just getting a comfortable shoe because with online, you know, people have wide feet, narrow feet, bunions, high arch, whatever the case is so it's it's more than just the the right type of shoe it's the fit which we find is the most important thing and so many people say that they've tried it when once they've got now gone down the route of buying a proper running shoe they say that the difference it's made from a comfort aspect and injuries and so on is um, makes a, a big difference so you know the shop's been there 30 years so we're obviously doing something right we think so we still believe there's a place for it um, i think we've mentioned the word a few times already in this in this uh, podcast it's bespoke advice Yes, People absolutely. Going in there, you're experienced guys, you know what you're talking about. 
you're not going to sell them something that is not going to be required for them. You're honest. No, absolutely, it would harm our reputation. Going back to yeah. that, you know, it's, if if we were to go down the route of right, what what colour do you fancy? Right there, you go off. You go. Your word would quickly spread, and then I think business would decrease dramatically. Yeah, ultimately, I think with ninety nine percent of local businesses, if they do cost a bit more, you'll the money, the extra money they're paying is paying for something. It's not just extra money on the, the, the shoes in this case. It's, it's the service and the expertise and, and the knowledge that they're going to get for that money. Yes. And I think it's, it's really important that people actually consider the value in what they're getting. Rather Absolutely. Than just the, the cost of it. Um, yes. Yeah. So we, on our outside, yes, it's Apex Sports Specialist Running Shop. And it, it's kind of, it, well, it is that, you know, it's a specialist for running or walking or whatever the case is and we're not just a, a shoe shop that sells shoes for anyone sort of thing or in some cases it happens but for the most part it's and because running so repetitive that if something's out of kilter or whatever it caused by a shoe or the foot then that um that can cause issues up the legs and so on and I'm, I'm sure you know luke you know we say to people say oh my this hurts around here and or shin and say, well, maybe it's not necessarily that's where it's that the pain is. Sometimes the source is elsewhere that's causing a tightness or a whatever. Absolutely, yeah. P possibly think about stretching up the leg or whatever the case is, and so on and so on. And just little bits of information. Yeah, yeah. Just send them to Zen Anatomy. Yeah, yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Brilliant. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for having me. Thank you very much very for coming nice. up. Where where can people kind of find you online and on Facebook and 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 physically in person in the shop? Yeah, so we're in Farnham Common. People often think that's Farnham in Surrey. We're in between Beaconsfield and Slough on the main road through there, sort of in between the M40 and the M4. So we get quite a bit of people coming from the, uh, the, the motorways who've travelled from far because we're, we're a, a destination store. Obviously, we get some local people, but we don't rely on, on just on them. It's, it's very much a destination store. And uh, so we're, we're apex-sports with an S on the end, .co.uk. And um, yeah, and then I think it's Apex Sports Run on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all those things. But, <laughs> but uh, no, it's, um, it's been great to have, having, me, having me on. Thank you. Brilliant. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for coming on. And we look forward to seeing you, Luke. Yeah, I'll be in shortly when we get some events back up and running. Well, you've Excellent. Got running, to, running to catch up on. Oh, but yes. Yeah. A lot. Um, Luke, where can people go and find you? Um, so online, website's uh, zenanatomy.co.uk. On Facebook, it's Zen Anatomy Sports Therapy and Instagram, uh, zen underscore anatomy. So I, I'm pretty active on social media. And if you're looking for anything else, it's all on the website. And I'm uh, paulrosept.com and at paulrosept on all the, the socials. Uh, thank you very much for joining us today. And we will see you next time.